All right, lawyer talk. Um, we're back here. We we finished up a segment with Glenn Harper over at I'm going to call it H Plus. That is yes. Harper and Company Plus Accounting, and the plus stands for the little extra, the little spice on top. That that the cherry on top. The, the you're the dude that you can go hunting with, or go golfing with, or go do something with, other than just talk about bean counting, which is frankly. Uh, exciting to you, but maybe not to everybody else. Um, it's the best. It's the best. All right. So here we are, Glenn Harper um, on Lawyer Talk. So what's accounting have to do with law? Maybe we'll get to that too. But uh, here's – we talked a Don't lot Don't turn about, us off because it is accounting and lawyers and they're probably like – You want to hear this. Look, this is – this. if you looked at this on the face, let's just be honest. If you saw a podcast and it said it's going to be a couple, of th- a couple or three lawyers talking to an accountant, I'd be running for the hills. We'll slip in some fart jokes or something to make it. Make it we'll make, try to make, make it. It exciting. always makes it funny. But I'd be like, "This is awful. I'm not going to listen." But we're different. I promise, we're different. That and, book is still scaring me, though. Yeah. Well, last time we referenced a book, it was this blue book that says "Tax Cuts and Job Act Complete Analysis." That's it's a complete analysis. analysis. I can't believe that this is only like an inch and a half. Oh, look, and, and, it's, and it's in like well, uh, the f- four, four font. font. <laughs> and it's like it's phone book paper. In like four fonts. It's like reading the Bible. You know what? This looks a lot like my business, and it scares the crap out of me. The worst part about it is, here's the funny part, is IRS hasn't even written the code for the majority of the, this code. We don't even know what the rules are. We know what, what they intended when the Congress passed this thing, uh, but we don't know what the IRS is going to allow yet. So that's where the fun part comes for us. So we got a new tax code coming. Before we get there, um, we talked last time about the business owners, the entrepreneurs, and doing some tax planning and what happens if you don't and how you can help them if they didn't and, and get caught up and fix everything, even though that might be sometimes fatal. Um, but what about the what about just the guy or the gal who's just got a job, maybe working for the government or maybe working for somebody in the private sector? Or- that's easy, tax slayer. Tax Slayer is that? Oh, that's like a yeah. Turbo Tax. Well, so th- I mean, why not just go to the guy flipping signs? You know, the, 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 the to do your taxes here for a hundred bucks. As a rule of thumb, there's it's uh, the society for whatever reason with this we call it a they call it a progressive, but I like to call it a regressive tax rate. You meaning the more you make, the more successful you are, the higher tax you have to pay. It doesn't seem kind of right, but it is what it is. That's the rules we live with, and that's the, that we have. That's what we have to do. So there is this um, notion that. Uh, depending on how much money you make and depending on your individual circumstances, there are certain parts of the code that you have to deal with and certain parts of the code you'll never see in your whole life. Um, and depending on where you stay in that world depend, determines how complex your situation is and what kind of advice you need. Generally, if you're just have a, we call it a real job, you go to work every day, you make your 50 grand a year, you make your 75 grand a year, maybe you, you're the only breadwinner in the house, you got a couple kids, maybe you have a mortgage, maybe you have your rent, doesn't really matter. This tax code that, that we had before was still a little complicated for you because you still had to do some itemizations or on your deductions, you had to do a little bit of things that were going on. This new tax code raised the standard deduction so high that most people that make less than $100,000 a year will not even have to itemize their deductions anymore. And this is called the Job Cuts or Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. Yeah, I think that's code word for make it more complicated for people. Because, and when did this take effect, Glenn? Uh, well, it's interesting. Some of it took into – most of it took – started in effect January 1st of 2018 – but some of the um, property acquisitions and things of that started basically back in September of last year. So the idea, though, I mean, you got people with real jobs, like you said. The idea is they don't have to worry about how many bags of clothes they took to Goodwill anymore. They don't have to worry about uh, uh, some of the like, uh, taking a kid or taking a daycare expense, all that stuff, because they just get a deducted, a standard number that they get to take off their income. Right. Back in the old days, you, your standard deduction, I'm making up a number, is 12000 bucks. So you had to make at least $12,000 of qualified expenses. You add them up to get, and if you took the greater of the standard deduction or your itemized deductions. So if you rented a house or had a mortgage on your house, your property taxes, state and local taxes, charity, and you came up with eight thousand dollars. Well, the standard deduction was twelve. 
give or take. So you'd take the standard deduction. But if you were add all those deductions up and you got $15,000, you take $15,000 and you get to deduct that. Well, now this new law says, you know what? Ah, let's quit messing around with that. Let's just make this 24000 bucks, the standard deduction. So everybody gets $24,000 deduction. If you're a married, a married, married couple gets what 24000 What if you have more deductions than 24000 well, then you can take more. But in the pure genius of the – our legislators. Is this like evil genius or pure genius? Or pure good, evil. We, we deal with good genies or bad we're, genies? We're talking – we're going to go with the genius as a, a little sarcastically because what will happen is now let's say that 95% of the people in this country who work make less than say 125000 a year okay. Okay, as a household. I, I may be cl- – give or take a few percentage points. I'm pretty close on that number though. So – what this code did is it made – they lowered the rates, gave a higher standard deduction, got rid of some exemptions, gave some credits for kids. It basically made those people's tax returns like exponentially more simpler to do. They need a W-2 and they Well, they have 24. their W-2 and they take the deduction off. They get money back. Life's good. There's not a lot they're going to have to do. So what's PLUS going to do for that guy? Not a lot. So you, are you telling them – I mean, we're on the air here. Are you telling people don't hire me or H&R Block or anybody else if, if you're that? If that person is has a real job, there's not a lot of opportunity because there's not a lot to do. They don't really need the accounting and tax advice. They might need the plus advice for, hey, do I know a good roofer? Do I need a – do I have a good financial advisor something you like that? You know what? You hit the nail on the head. That is the plus advice because you're like I am. You're like we are here at Yavich and Palmer. It's like if somebody needs a kitchen, they call me. Why? I don't know. Useless if, knowledge. We got it, it all. If it's like, oh, hey, I, I need this. Tra- my transmission dropped. Do you know any car guys? They're calling me. Yeah, I got a guy. And, you, and you're that guy. <laughs> I got in a your guy world. for that. You got a guy for everybody. Right. Right? Well, the, the, tell me, Glenn, one thing that I, I always wonder, because you hear commercials about it, you hear people talking about it, for the just real job person, is there ability to deduct things? Like you hear suits, uh, uh, traveling to and from work to your job. Negative. Negative. No. So none of that. None of Negative. that stuff. But I got to have my hair clean at work. When does that come into play? Because you hear people like if I if I drive for Uber, like my car is obviously a component of Uber. Is there? There's opportunities for that. Okay. Okay. So what? It's the this is the the value of you can look it up on your Google what to do, uh, what you think you should do, but that's not. The, the it's not a pl- applicable mean, that way. Google is wrong. <laughs> you know, it points you in the right direction, but you got to know, still know where to look. And it does. There, it, frankly, again, there's there really is a line in the sand of the people that can participate in quote the new code and the old code and all the business expenses and things you can do. And then there's the people that can't. And when I say can't, it just means. Good for them. They don't have to deal with that stress of their life. They just go make their money. They go to their job. They come home. They go to the grocery store, feed their kids, do what they do. Their tax return is going to be a lot easier, and they don't have to stress about stuff. It makes it kind of easy. Yep. You know, back in the old days, um, I don't know when my parents bought their house, you know, that the interest rates were 8, 10, 15% for a mortgage. Yep. And when you're paying that kind of mortgage interest, you could easily itemize your deductions and you could take that. Right. Well, now rates are really low. So even if you have a $100,000 mortgage at a 4% interest rate, that's only 4000 bucks. Yeah. That's not going to get you to 24000 now, right? Yeah. That just isn't going to happen. So that it kind of took it off the out of, out of play where you don't have to worry about it. It's still cheaper probably to buy than to rent, but you got to fix everything up. But in your property. But the reality is those folks may not need that kind of advice from a tax standpoint. It's just adjust your W-4 at your employer to say, oh, I'm married with two exemptions now. That's all you got to do. I want to talk about that. I want to talk about that because everybody thinks they're getting free money when they get their tax return. Well, but it is. You're getting money. They get get a refund. And I've heard this for years, and I've never, I've never gotten to live in that world because you know it's like I try to pay or set aside exactly what I'll owe. And it's like I'm always writing some sort of check. But there's a majority of people that really rely on that each year. What are they? What are they really? How does that work? Well, all it means when you get a refund, again, all it means you overpaid your taxes throughout the year. And believe it or not, this goes back to the plus part is. We, as uh, myself, as a CPA, a business owner, and advise many, many clients, finances are a 
emotional thing for people. It's not a logical thing. It's an emotional thing. And it took me a while to recognize that with clients. And once you recognize that with a client, I can talk to you all day long. What's the right way and the wrong way to do your money? Best rate of return, best opportunity cost. You know, I can talk about that all day long, but that is not what people want to hear sometimes. I tell them that because it's a, a kind of my responsibility to share so they can make an informed decision. After that, there's no right or wrong decision. If they want to uh, spend money on this versus that because it's they like this better than that and it costs them more money to do that than this, that's their decision. But at least they're aware and they know what that means. Right. So all it means when you overpay your taxes is that you were overwithheld. And all throughout the year, the government took your, they took your money and they held it all year long. They don't pay you interest. And when you file your tax return, they'll give you the money back. But this goes back to the whole thing. A lot of people love the refund because what is it we talked about in the earlier podcast? It's a big chunk. Yeah. Giving me seven, eight, ten bucks an extra in my check a month. I'm going to just spend that on whatever, but you're going to give me a $800 refund. Uh, we're going to Disney. I mean, we try to, right? right? Um, and that's the value of the refund for people because psychologically, mentally, it it's like a big deal because it's like I got a big chunk of cash. It's, it's always like a savings vehicle. Correct. And it always pissed me off. When I get a refund, I'm thinking, man, government's had my freaking money that whole year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I guess that sort, of, that, that sort of presumes that if you're not paying that money – it's not going to – it's probably doing what you said it would do last time. It's like if it goes home to you, you're probably spending it well, on Applebee's. Again, it's there's a difference. Yeah, there's, the, when you're a business owner and you're the other 5% of the population that have to do tax planning and do all these things, it's really never a refund. It's just that you're paying them less on your next time you pay them money. Mm. So it's a it's a it's an ebb and flow with you hedge how much the IRS gets to hold at certain times because you got to pay them you got to actually write checks and pay them money. So there really is no refunds for business owners. It just means oh we've paid them too much this quarter we don't pay them anything the next quarter. You you kind of get an instant refund. Now there's Unlike, this there's this woman I keep getting letters from. Her name is Rita. She's awesome. She is so nice. All right. Who the hell is Rita, and why does she keep sending me letters? Rita is what we call okay. the Regional Income okay. Tax Authority, and they are the administrator of – Ohio is one of the greatest states ever when it comes to simplicity and straightforwardness of their tax code. Again, I sense, I sense a little slight sarcasm. Slight sarcasm. <laughs> so unlike if you move to, say, Wyoming um, – you don't you don't have to pay city tax in other lots most every other state do not have a city tax more and more are adding them but in ohio we have i don't know two or three gajillion cities two or three gajillion school districts um and they all have their own separate taxes so what rita does is there's uh, Cleveland, there's a Rita, there's a Columbus and a Cincinnati and we have that basically administer the city tax uh, collection and disbursement of those funds for those municipalities. And then we have about another gajillion of generic cities that do it themselves. So Rita just happens to be like the, the 900 pound girl in the room. She has, she controls a lot of cities and she's got a kind of got a lot of clout. And that's who you, that's who you pay your tax to when you file your city tax return. Uh, that's who you file with, and then she takes that and disperses it to the appropriate city that she's representing. All right. So Rita is really like – who's paying Rita? Do the cities have to hire Rita to do this work for yeah, them? Yeah, they enter a contract, and Rita sometimes gets a VIG off the top. I don't know the exact amount. I wouldn't be but in that business. It's a good gig. I mean, that's just basically an escrow account. That's well, the money. state of Ohio just changed where you can – they're trying to administer the city taxes now, and they just won a court case here just last week. That is giving them the authority where in lieu of filing and paying to Rita or to Columbus and to all the other gajillions of generic taxes, you can just on your state income tax, you can sign up to actually pay the state. The state takes a VIG and then they pay it to the city. Yeah, why wouldn't the state? Why wouldn't we make it more simpler? That's the logic because now we can read the state and the city. Rita is just a bookie. Right. So here's the question. What if I work in Columbus, live in Arlington have a third job or a second job in Dublin, and I get the, these Rita things all over the place. Then you meet Rita Plus, correct? Well, because 
the way that the rule works on city taxes in the state of Ohio is where you earn the money gets the tax first. Right. right. So what if you what if you're virtual? I mean, what if what if you work from your car? Well, then Maybe there really is no nexus of where you're living, working. So then you default them back to where you live, where you reside. Then they get the money. So if you absence of if you work in Columbus and live in Columbus, you're just paying Columbus income tax. Or like what if you're a contractor? I build houses in Delaware County. I build houses in Licking County. I build houses every in single County. city that you work in, every single city that you set up shop and you have to, you have a requirement to file and pay to that city. All right. So here's a question. Here's where the guy flipping signs on a corner starts to scare me a little bit. So you go to H&R whatever, or you go to just a tax preparer mm-hmm. and you know we, we already know your deductions. You're going to get 24,000 no matter what. Um, are you going to, how do you, how does, I didn't know what Rita is until I mean, I don't pay attention. So you live right yeah. until you all of a sudden you have to deal with it. And if I, I sort of, I would be afraid if I just went to a tax preparer, they're going to give me my. Well, let me back up on something. So there are in the city of Columbus and a lot of generic cities. If you are properly withheld for your real job and you don't have a business or rental property, there's not a filing requirement to the city. Oh. But if you live in a Rita municipality, then you have a mandatory filing requirement because that's why we're making it more simpler, see? So some cities you have to file in if you live. Other ones you don't have to file where you live. So when you move each year, that's where we have to determine is your tax person is going to help you decide do you have to have a filing requirement. And that's the biggest thing that happens. So people move from Columbus to an Arlington, and they never had to file or pay. Well, they had to pay, but they didn't ever have to file a city income tax return. And all of a sudden they do, and they didn't know it. So they're going to get a read a letter and say, hey, you're in our city. Why aren't you filing? And they may not owe. The year after. after. Correct. They didn't file because they didn't know they had to. Yes. But, Glenn, you're not going to pay two local municipality cities. Oh, not so fast. Okay, that's yes. the question. What if you move in the middle of all this? Correct. So let's say, for example, you work in a 2% city. But you live in a two and a half percent city. So you not only got to pay two percent where you work, but you get to get a half percent where you live. And then we have other cities that they maybe have a lower rate. They might only be a one percent, but they don't give you full credit for what you paid in your two percent city. So you end up paying. You're going to pay no matter what. Um, meaning you may have to pay them both. You may have to pay just in one. You may have to pay double the tax that somebody in a normal city would have to do. It just depends on the city. And if you pay, say say you work in Columbus and live somewhere like Westerville, and you pay all this stuff to Columbus, mm-hmm. it'll offset the Westerville. Maybe, Sometimes. Maybe, will you get a refund? No, you will never get a refund never. from where okay. you work. You And you will probably have to always pay where you live gotcha. unless they give you full credit. And it just depends on the city. See, this is where... I got, I got a very simple understanding of taxes. I got to pay the state. I got to pay the government. Or I at least have to file tax returns in both those places. And now you start talking about percentages where you pay one and the other. This is where, this is where it transcends the abstract for me and enters the world where I can't do it. And what, what's, what's really driving this, I mean, technology is good, but it's also – well, technology is, is good. But what happens is 10 years ago – the feds, the state, and the city, they didn't talk to each other. Like they just – you file your return, you give them the paperwork, and that's what they go on. Well, with the technology, it avail, it's, avails itself to where the state can go ping the IRS and say, hey, give me anybody that lived in the state of Ohio address that put it on their tax return. The city can go, give me anybody that has an Upper Arlington address. And so – and then lottery winners or – you know, 1099s or W-2s, let's go grab all that data. And they do all this data mining. And then the state goes, hey, we've got these 30,000 people that have a state of Ohio address that didn't file the state of Ohio tax return. They send a letter out to people like, no, we didn't live here. Well, it so happens that they moved in January of 18, but they lived in, you know, Minnesota in 17, but they moved in 18. So they put the Ohio address when they filed their tax return for 17 in 18. So when they filed their tax return, it says that it's an Ohio address. Ohio thinks that you lived in Ohio in 17. 
So you get a letter. So you have to go, but no, I didn't. Here's where I actually moved. So you, it created more correspondence because the, the agencies have the ability to, to mine this data and kind of pick the stragglers up that they couldn't do before. And so the city of Columbus will ping and get, hey, we show that you got a 1099 and you're an independent contractor and you worked in Columbus and you didn't file the tax return to claim that. And you get the letter and you're like, oh, geez, I forgot. Yeah, I did have to do that. And that's how they're grabbing more and more people. And that's why it makes it more complicated. So we are seeing in our industry, 10 years ago, for every 100 returns we would file, we'd get one. We call them sundry, sundry nuisance letters. We'd get like one. A nuisance letter. I love it. A letter like, from the IRS. That's a nuisance. And we're like, I can't believe we already sent this stuff. Okay, we'll send it again. Now we're getting upwards of 30, 40 of those letters per 100. There's one over us. on my desk. Right. That, just uh, nonstop. That I got to show you. And my taxes, I thought were done, but no. You always never, get a letter. It's never done. And what is happening is it's nothing against the agencies. They're trying to do a good job. I mean, ultimately, the IRS, the state, and the city, they want you to file properly and pay what you owe. They don't care if they owe you money or you owe them money. They just want it right as a general rule of thumb. But they're not going to give up without a fight <laughs> if well, they owe you money. Let, let me, let me, uh, let's shift gears again. Let me throw out a, a word for you. And see if, because we're talking about technology, Amazon, oh. online purchasing. I would be willing to bet that 99.9% of the people out there are failing miserably on reporting this type of transaction. And is that in theory, I mean, we have to do it, right? Well, there's two parts. One is if you're a business and you go and buy your paper, your computer, you buy it online because, um, hey, they don't charge sales tax. So you go buy it online and you get that shipped to your office. It's a thousand bucks. You pay a thousand bucks. You're, you don't, you think I'm, I, I stuck it to the man. I'm the, right. this is awesome. Well, lo and behold, there's this little thing that says you as a business owner, you have to file this little return we call it a use tax return, where you're supposed to report all your online and non-taxable purchases. Or say you went to Indiana on sales tax holiday and you bought your computer there and then crossed state lines and brought it back. You, you have to pay sales tax. Is this competitively unfair for Ohio businesses that have a brick and mortar here and we got to charge everybody sales tax? You know, every company has to do that. And you can go across the street across the, the border and buy something about sales tax. So the state of Ohio says, not so fast. If you do that, you're supposed to report and claim, hey, I have paid $10,000 worth of purchases that I didn't pay sales tax on. So you then say, oh, the tax due on that is whatever, 700 bucks. And you then go file the tax return and pay that tax. And is this so far, this has all been self-report as I understand it. Correct. But they're catching you because yeah, when, this when, little when pesky this thing, happen? this is this pesky little, uh, called credit card transaction that they can mine that data and they know what you're doing. And the rule is that effectively, if you don't do that, you're kind of committing a crime by not reporting your tax and not filing it properly. So that's on the business side. Individually, you may note on your state of Ohio tax return, there's a little box that you check. I certify under penalty of perjury that I did not purchase anything and not report the sales tax. Because if you do buy something out sales tax, you're supposed to put it on your personal return. This has been around for 20 years or so. That's nobody broken left and right, right? It's like, it's, but it's so hard to enforce it, but they're getting better at it and getting better at it because again, the intent is, is I think pure that it's not fair for if I've got a business next door here that they're trying to be competitive and people are not shopping there because they're not paying sales tax because they're going somewhere else where they're not paying that. It's not fair for that business, right? right? It's not reasonable. So I get the intent and it is, it should happen, but people are still thinking they're getting a deal. And so they go after that. So they're not going walking into Target to buy the stereo for the kid. They're just buying it on Amazon. Right online. Now, well, Amazon's yeah. collecting tax now, right? They're, they started to, yes. Yeah, yeah. And more and more. They got, they got, a, they got a, well, I mean, they got located, they, they're in Columbus now. Well, it's, it's, it used to be this nexus thing, but now they're just making rules to say, you kind of, if you want to do business here, you have to charge the tax. And this is the fundamental problem with a small business owner is that let's say you're going to start making cookies out of your garage and ship. Well, not, that's not a good example. Widgets. You're going to make some really cool widgets that people want to buy that are subject to sales tax. Well, what Ohio has, what is it? 
92 counties, 82 counties, 40, I don't know, we got a crap ton of counties. Every county has a different rate. So if you start selling to all these different counties, you got to start collecting sales tax in all these different counties. You're going to, Amazon can barely do it and they got a gajillion people working for them. How do you as a small business owner collect, file, and assess and pay all these taxes to, that you have to pay for all these different cities and counties? It's a, it's horrible. So people don't think about that when they start the business that they have to maybe once you cross over county line or city area, you have to do all these things. And that's, I, I gotta be honest. I, I just, I just lost it. I'm just like, I, I hear all this crap. I'm just like, oh, this is I, like, I'm already like, like, spinning now. Yeah, putting a mental checklist in, like, I gotta talk to my wife about this. Stuff. Like, yeah. I need to go to, I need to go to Harper plus. Man. <laughs> yeah. But no, don't come see me. That's too much. No, I'm right. kidding. There, there's, that's the thing is like the commitment of West has, and that's why we're saying earlier is, when you engage to do business, you're either above the board or below the board. Once you come above the board, these are all the rules that you're applicable to, and right. you have to do and it. You're on the grid. I mean, right? You're there. Part. They know who you are. And if you don't do it right, I mean, it's punitive. Now, luckily, the state of Ohio, every few years, they just ended one a couple of weeks ago. They did this amnesty program. If they've not assessed you and you've not filed your state, local, or your uh, sales taxes and use tax and cat tax, um, you could uh, come clean with them and they would not charge you a penalty, just half the interest and pay your tax. And that sometimes happens, but that's the exception, Safe not the surrender. norm. All right, right? One, more, one more word I'm going to throw. Yeah. Maybe not one more. Another word I'm going to throw out. Nanny. People have nannies? What? Nanny. Okay. Nanny. Right. I, I see this all the time. Where, where do people go afoul there? Well, I mean, it sounds the- like a good idea when you get a nanny. Um, and it is a good idea and it does help. Uh, there's really two parts to this conversation that I generally have with my clients. The first part is what does a nanny really cost? Can I afford to pay one? Should I pay one? And we go through the, the calculation to say, look, when you pay your nanny, this it's X. Do you know that when you go back to work and then you pay taxes on what you make, and you have net of X, of Y, Y compared to X, is that, are you ahead or behind after you go to work and pay your nanny and pay your taxes? If you're ahead, how much of ahead are you? If you're ahead by $500 a month, is it worth it to go back to work, pay a nanny for 500 bucks a month? All right, so that's just the gotcha. basic cost first analysis. And Easy. people go, oh, didn't think of it that way. And I'm like, well, yeah, don't forget your clothes. Don't forget dry cleaning. Don't forget parking. Don't forget your mileage and gas and all those things and the stress. So what it comes down to, this is one of those ones where logically sometimes it doesn't make sense or financially because, but people are like, hey, I'm going to go to work and that's just the way it's going to be. And there's, there's one more big factor mm-hmm. that people often overlook, which is probably part two of what you're going to tell us about nannies. What's that? That'd be the tax consequence. Tax. Yeah. Apparently there's tax. taxes due on that. Yeah. A freaking nanny. We call it the, uh, the uh, household employee tax. And what that basically says is that if you pay somebody, what is the number? $1,700. Nobody can look in that. That's, right. that's cheating. Um, let's just say if you pay somebody more than, say, 1700 bucks in a year and they work in your house, you actually have to go get a, like a tax ID number and actually pay them payroll, pay them a gross, withhold taxes. They get W-2s. They get a W-2. Wow. And sometimes, because we love the tax code, sometimes you pay those taxes uh, as you pay the employee, employee, the nanny. Sometimes you pay them quarterly, and sometimes you pay them at the end of the year on your personal tax return. But you literally are an employer. you got to have your workers' comp. You pay your unemployment. You withhold Social Security and Medicare tax. Uh, it's 1099 stuff. No, no. Um, if you do that, uh, then you're in even worse trouble because, well, you know they're an employee, Steve. You can't be paying them an independent well, this is the argument. I always have this argument with Glenn because Glenn's like, well, you can always just say, I was like, your world is interesting to me because you just you, you live in this sort of weird black and white world where you can always just say it's this and it could be this or this, but I'm going to call it this because you're allowed to maximize your allowed, tax avoidance is perfectly legal. Correct. But in my world, we can't just say something. It's like you can't do something and just say, well, I was really doing this because then you get into this weird area of criminal intent and uh, deception and fraud. So it's like you can't just say that this is a 1099 
and, and get believe away. that it's going to be because it's not. It's not right. Yeah, or, there's and it's like our world is 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 far grayer where it really comes down to what the intent is, not what it looks like. And we can't call something something else just because it helps us if your if your intent is different. Um, and then we get in this weird area of how the heck do you prove intent? Who knows? But anyway, the, you know, if you have daycare, summer daycare, it doesn't have to, you don't have to call it a nanny. What if you just have a school teacher in during the summer working for eight hours a day watching that? You're not supposed to do it. So I'm sure people do it all the time. But as, as long as you take your child somewhere else, there is no W-2 requirement as an employee. Because you're not supervising. They, then they become a 1099, basically. Well, it's not even a 1099. You can just you can pay people somewhere else to do things. That's So fine. they just can't come to your household. It's a household employee. Do you get to deduct it as a daycare expense? Now, you're a funny guy. Um, you can still treat them up to the five. <laughs> you can get a $3,000 uh, per kid up to two kids that you can take in the child care credit. Or if you have, quote, want to do a 125 pre-tax plan, you can do $5,000 as a deduction. But who wants to set that up? So most people just take the child care credit, and it's basically $3,000 per kid for two kids. Huh. And so you're paying your nanny twenty five grand a year, but you only get to get a benefit of $3,000. I mean, this is as old as the hills, right? Paying somebody under the table. I mean, that's oh, people as, do it. Like, like if you have a babysitter come in for, a, you know, for date night, that's, they're not making that much money. They're not going to make that 1800 bucks a year, whatever the number is. Right. So you don't have to worry about it. It's only if they come in on a regular basis, because here's what happens. This is, so it's all good until you get caught, right? Then it's, then it's not so good. And so here's how you're going to get caught. You know, one, you get audited and they see these checks leaving your bank account and you're paying this person. What, who are these people, this person coming in your house? That's not happens very often. The one that really happens is you've got your quote nanny in there watching your kids and, uh, everything's great. She's part of the family and, you know, everybody's Going getting along dinner, great. Disney everything's World great. Trips, the then all of a sudden, you have a disagreement or, ow, I hurt my back or something happens and you have to part ways. Well, when you part ways, that person generally now is unemployed hmm. and they're going to call up the Ohio Department of Job and Family yep. Service and said, hey, where's my unemployment? And they're like, well, we don't have records you working. Well, yeah, I was working for Sally Smith over here and they were paying me. Yeah. And they're like, really? And then they go see Sally Smith. And then all of a sudden you're in a hot mess. And the, the state's on you, then the feds are on you, then you didn't have workers' comp, then you got to pay Social Security tax, it's back wages. It's a big thing. You don't want to be that What couple. if the nanny just says, you know what, I'm not going to go look for unemployment, but I'm going to file a tax return? That's what I was going to say. We don't care if she files a tax return because if she's if she does it the way it was intended, not the legal way, but way we were paying her, say, we're paying her 100 bucks a day. She can just put that as Schedule C income. I was making 100 bucks That's a day. Not trigger and that doesn't trigger anything because gotcha. she's just self-employed. Gotcha. All right? Um, so that works out just fine. The uh, the simple fact of when you when you pay the nanny and you don't do it, uh, don't do it right, it, it causes this huge, huge problem. And you just don't want to be that person because they yeah. get you. All right. I got another one. Go ahead. Well, I was thinking, what about uh, gift cards? What about them? So – uh, let's say, I mean, this happens to us. Let's say that uh, you run a business. Um, your client is very happy about the outcome, whatever you did for them. And they come in and they say, here, here's a hundred bucks to Starbucks. Thank you for the work you did. That's extra. And you really went the extra mile. What Technically and non-technically. So you should, based on that amount, probably claim it as compensation and bring it in as income because they paid you for something. Again, this gets back to that little gray area is like, I'm allowed to gift anybody 15 grand a year if I so choose to do so. That's the cap. But 15,000 per year without filing a gift tax return. And that's per person. So if it's a mom and dad, they give their kids 30. Right. So I can walk in this room and we've got 13 people in here. I can give each of you 15 grand you bring per year. cash? I'll take cash. I, absolutely. <laughs> and I don't even have to report that, right? On the cash reporting requirement. It's, you don't have to do that, do you? No, that's nobody does. 83 what? Yeah, it's complicated. Put that on my little list of So. Forms. You can give That's as much money as you want book. to do to that. The problem is, is, is the IRS's issue is, well, what's it related to? Are you just giving to give or are you giving because in lieu of compensation, right? Or, oh. So it's about what's – I can come in here and give you a gift card. You gave me an invoice. I paid you. We had an agreement. That's it. And I come and say, hey, 
This is a little here, here's a little solid for you. You probably would not claim that as income because it's not part of what you did. But if you discounted my fee by five hundred bucks, and then I came in and gave you a five hundred dollar gift card, well, that's uh, the intent, right? That comes back that, to our that's world. That's where we we're, get problems. We're intent, and then then we're engaged. In, it gets worse on our part, Jeff, because then we're engaged in a conspiracy. Yeah, right? it's like we've got an agreement, and it doesn't have to be expressed. It can be quote tacit. That means it's like it's just understood that I give you a discount, and there's a nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Uh, that every time I give you a discount, you're going to slip me a $500 gift card to, uh, to Giant Eagle or something, then now I've got a tacit agreement with you to avoid paying tax. I could do it with you as an employee if I wanted to do that. I would be like, you know, I'm just going to slip a hundy on top of every paycheck. Um, not really payroll, just sort of, you know, I, I'm really happy with you. That I can't do that. No. Um, People want to, and again, it's it's a it's a it's interesting because you have the the noblest intentions to help somebody out, and you end up making yeah. it worse because you didn't do it the right way. Yeah. So we we got this question a lot, like, hey, I want to give my employees some cash. Ah, my blood pressure spikes. I'm like, you can't do that because it just causes a problem. So what you end up doing, you're saying, like, give them the hundred bucks. But just let's run it through payroll for 125 bucks and just put it on the gross payroll and then yeah, you're fine. Then yeah. you never worry about it. That's what we do here. Because yeah. if, if you, if you end up giving cash, then cash causes problems because the same thing can happen that yeah. somebody reports it in and then you're, you're done. So we always say if you do things the right way for the right reasons consistently and repeatedly, you take all this worry, all this stress off your plate. You never worry about it because you're always doing it the right way. What about? I uh, didn't know I should be worrying about it. Now I am. Well, I, I, <laughs> Always sure worrying. Always worrying. You worry. should maybe open up a, a Youngstown office. I don't think they do it like that. They, they don't. Youngstown. They probably don't. Um, but I don't think they're going to enforce it over there. Which is a great segue <laughs> to my next word: criminals. Yes. Um, we deal with it all the time. I mean, it, by the time I, I got two different sets of people that I talk to. And depending upon what we're talking about exactly, they may go over to your office or they may have to stay here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we have a privilege. We have a privilege. So people tell me something and there's no other people around other than us or we lawyers, then the things they say are privilege. They can tell me all day long. Hey, look, I, I, I hid thousands of dollars from the IRS. What do I do about it? Um, Don't tell me that. I'm not going <laughs> to tell you that because the things they tell you. Look, I, I, my dad always said this. He was a United States attorney for a while. And he's like, I don't go after the person. I go after his accountant, right? Because there's no privilege there. And all of a sudden, he can get, by subpoena, all your records uh, for everything going way back. Um, so there's no privilege there. But we get, I get this class of people. They come in. I start talking to them. Maybe they got a drunk driving case. I'm like, what do you do for a living? I'm a. I started being a contractor last year. You know, I just went out on my own. I'm doing blah 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 blah. And I was like, did you file a tax return last year? And they're like, no, oh, no. I mean, that I, look. You know, they sort of. It's, it gets What's that a quiet tax thing in the room. It's like, at what point do is it? Do they not call an accountant to file, even if it's delayed or an amended tax return? Versus, they better be in front of a criminal lawyer. So the is the question like when should I file or well, let's say I, let's say that happens I got a drunk driver coming in here I'm talking to uh, this person and I find out they're on a business on their own they started last year and they haven't done anything tax wise right so the the crime really is not filing your tax return not paying your taxes that's no problems I mean if they can't collect it from you in ten years it just drops off your record but if you don't file your tax return that's the crime. Right. So always file. But you, what if you didn't? You, you come clean. Just go file them. If you Are file, you get prosecuted. I mean, your experience to get prosecuted. Generally, again, I'm not a, uh, definitely not a uh, tax attorney, but generally, what I see in my office, the, the record I had is somebody didn't file for 18 years, and we filed 18 years of tax returns for them, and they just had to go pay their tax. Some years they got were getting money back, and they didn't actually get the money because it was too far back. But if they owe money, they paid it, and they got some penalty and interest. And the IRS is like, yeah, good deal. Back on a grid. Yep. People don't – the IRS doesn't – generally, if you catch it before they do, you're going to be okay. But they still could and say, you know, I don't like this guy. You know, we, we've seen people where the state – people didn't file the state tax return. They go to jail for that. And we're like, the state? that, But that's just a tool that a prosecutor would use. Well, here's, and here's where, here's where I draw the line. Here's where, I, here's where I, help make, I help people make that decision. If the income is questionable, in other words, say it's – 
they were running a business that uh, was under the table in some way or, or not legit in some way. Say it's a dope business. Or if they're targeted for something else and they're on the screen already and all of a sudden they haven't filed tax returns, I'm going to get them to a qualified tax attorney where they can mm-hmm. tell that problem to the attorney right. and get the privilege, but somebody who's also an accountant. And they exist. It's a rare bird. Mm-hmm. They exist. Uh, then we got bigger issues. Um but if it's usually, I, I mean, my experience working with you, I get somebody's come in and they just, yeah, I just, I got out on my own, just graduated college. I didn't, you know, I'm just digging ditches or I'm landscaping or right. I've started this landscape business and I got these mowers and I'm doing this thing. I'm like, dude, you need help. You know? Well, the general rule of thumb that, um, again, this, it's a, this would be like the plus side again is people don't realize that when you get paid cash and you don't report your income and you are trying to cheat the IRS and everybody, that money really doesn't mean anything because you really can't do anything with it. It's just kind of just there. It doesn't, you can't go buy a house, you can't go buy a car because all those things are reported. And if you're buying these things, you're not filing a tax return. You're just setting yourself up. So you don't, and you just blow your money. So in our experience, we found that people that do not, that end up coming clean and reporting their income they forget all about those expenses that they have to run their business. So what ends up happening is most people over-report their income and under-report their expenses. Hmm. Believe that or not, because they're like, well, they won't come after me if I pay more income. And if I don't put all these expenses, they won't come after me. The truth shall set you free. Just what did you make? What were your expenses? Oh, did you think about these other five expenses you didn't talk about? Oh, I, I do have those. Okay, what about these? Oh, that too. So by the time they come clean with everything and they end up with this, it's a lot lower number than they thought. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot less tax than they thought. And then they can sleep at night. And then we go, by the way, now we fixed up this mess. Now, did you know that if you do this, this, and this, and change this entity and do this retirement plan, you can do all these things and you pay even less tax and you're going to be like a business owner? And either their eyes roll back in their head and they're like, it's just too much, or they go, wow, let's do it. You're like Andy Dufresne. Yeah, <laughs> just like that. The longest He's night of his life. life. Um, a beer from You're not getting people. that from TurboTax. No. Uh, TurboTax ain't doing that. No. Well, I, I think that's sort of a message out there. Look, if you're off the grid, you can get back on the grid. Yeah, um, just come clean. But I, I'm not sitting here saying that they would not prosecute you if you're well, doing we something. We but I, I can say that. Um, in my experience over doing this for 30 years, when you come clean and put it out there, knock on wood, yet to see somebody get prosecuted for filing a back tax return. And I've actually done this. I've actually, I used to, there's a, several United States attorneys I work with regularly, but one guy in particular was, was prosecuting tax type cases or, or these sort of white collar numbers cases. And I was watching, uh, a little league baseball game. He happened to be there for watching his grandson, I think, but, uh, I asked him about this and I got this wishy-washy answer, wishy-washy answer. I was like, well, look, man, I just got a client and needs to file some returns, get caught up, not really criminal income, legitimate income, but wants to fix it. Um, what do I tell that person? I just got this weird answer back and it was just like, damn it, you would think they would make this yeah. easier for people to get back on the grid, like a program you can call and self-report and fix mm-hmm. it. Now, subject yourself to the microscope, of course, Yeah, but at least fix it. Uh, and we don't have it. Now, the other side of the coin is I get... Joe Dope Dealer in here who comes in with stacks of cash, all, I mean, or buried in the backyard, buried in the backyard, and has got all this money and is, is, is sort of living like off the grid, like you're talking mm-hmm. about. And uh, they haven't filed any tax return for years. And uh, the first thing, it's funny because a lot of times when I, when I work on those federal drug cases, mm-hmm. the person in my office is not DEA all the time. It's IRS. Mm-hmm. Looking at money laundering, looking at tax right. problems, looking at all the things. Um, and that's the trick. It's like we tell everybody, it's like, listen, dude, you have earned $500,000 in the last three years selling dope. Guess what? That's also a tax problem. And that means if they have caught you, but you have a defense to the case on the drug side, say it's a Fourth Amendment problem or something else, they're going to start crawling up your ass looking at numbers. And that's why IRS is there because they can still get you. And that's the yep. that's the trick. It's like people who commit criminal money this is more my realm than yours, but yes. people who commit crimes and make money, um, they have their whole. I, I guess what I'm saying is taxable in or uh, you get taxed on any accretion to wealth is what we learned in law. Pretty yep, much, and even criminal, even criminal, got to report it. You got to report criminal. Can you imagine? Is there a 
box you check for marijuana dealer or it, coke, it, it coke is dealer? it yeah. is weird entrepreneur that, um right that's that's why when you fill out your schedule see they have all these different codes that say what kind of business are you in um i don't recall seeing yeah it could be um you we're, know, we're in distribution entertainment in i don't know what you sales. call it yeah public relations i don't know well, what you call it but yeah. this is what birthed money laundering well, this is, yeah, exactly right. So people are cleaning their money. And what does that mean? That means what they're really doing is making it look like they earned it somehow legitimately right. in wh whatever way they do that. Even lawyers, there's lawyers that got in trouble before. We have these trust accounts and criminals that come in and say, hey, look, I want to put 100000 in your trust account um, because I think I'm under investigation. And there's this nudge, nudge, wink, wink that – no, no, We're going to no, give no. it you, back to uh, them. No, no. no, thank you very and much. And I'm just like, dude, you go right next door, go down the road, you go whoever will do that for you because I am not a crook. I won't do it. Um, the old mafioso running the Italian restaurant. And, and then, then I've had – want to be that guy. And, and we've started – I had somebody one time try to do that and then try to make withdrawals because it was a legitimate investigation. I knew it was a legitimate investigation. And I'm always careful about the money that come in. It's like I'm not taking the stack of bills that smells like pot, right? I mean, usually I want grandma or somebody in here saying I'm going to help Sonny out because I know all his income is unlawful. Tainted. Tainted. Um, but it's like if I take that money and then all of a sudden they start coming to me and saying, I just need a 1000 bucks back or I need this back. I cut them a check for the whole thing with a letter that says I'm not willing to represent you. I'm not willing to operate this way. If you want to pay legal fees legitimately, you can do that. But bye-bye. And I've had to do that a couple of times yeah. where I felt like I'm getting drawn down this path. And this is where that Or one, some people just say it. Right. Yeah, I, I got to get on the street for, for a couple of weeks and I can get you paid. It's like, huh? Yeah. I don't think so. No. Because what it comes down to is that you and I, we've got these things called you know, ethics. We've got these power authorities that can take our license and ruin our livelihood. Yep. So – do you think I'm going to subject my entire firm and my reputation license to not claim some income on your tax return or make up a deduction? That does, that's not going to happen. You got to go. So, And even the, the next word is cash, right? I mean, it's like I get uh, – this happens to us all the time. There are people – I mean, people I grew up with all the time. They work in a world of cash. They get a paycheck legitimately. They go right to the bank and they cash it. Mm -hmm. And they got a stack of cash. That's what they live on. That's how they operate. Um and I, and I think in a lot of ways, it's sort of clean. You're not paying credit card fees. You're not doing anything. You're just, and, and when it's gone, they're done spending. That's it. They, they're the ultimate budget people. It's perfect, right? Because when you don't have it, you don't have it. Right. Um, well, I get guys will come in here. Well, clients will come in here. I always say guys, but I mean that generically. I get clients who will come in here, and they will, they will just say, all right, I'm paying you in cash. And I look at them like, okay. They look at me. I look at them. They look at me. And I just said, look, every penny of that is going to the bank. I mean, I, you can pay me in cash all day long. It still goes to the bank. I don't care. And it's number like, one. There's this, weird, there's this weird world out there where people think that if they pay their contractor in cash, somehow they get that 30% discount because it's cash. But that doesn't happen in my world. I imagine yours, you probably operate the same way. It's like, yeah, you, I, I can't remember the last time somebody paid us in cash. It just doesn't happen. It's usually a check or credit card. And, you know, again, it's just a different clientele you work with will determine how they pay you, you know, but, um, always claim it, always put it in the bank. Um, and even if you don't put it in the bank, you still claim it and you'll make sure you make an entry in your accounting program that says, Hey, I collected a hundred bucks in cash and I took the hundred dollars. And now, you're legit. I have people do that. And here's what's interesting. We have we have uh, clients in a certain area that make money and they operate in a lot of cash. Mm -hmm. All legitimate. They're trying to pay tax on it. They're trying to do whatever. And banks aren't taking their money. Right. Banks are just saying, this. you know what? And there's this like $10,000 thing. I don't know. if it, it is what it is, but there's a form called an 8300. Is that right? The 83. I know something you don't. I love well, I know the form, but I don't ever, I've never had to fill one out. All right. We've had to fill out 8,300 forms. Yeah, where if you get a cash or cash equivalent, and a cash equivalent would be a certified check, a bank, a bank check, uh, any guaranteed money, 10,000 or over 10,000, I got to go and file a form, uh, with the IRS. It says, I collected this. I cop photocopy an ID. I fill out the form. And that's cumulative, it. right? And so year. per transaction. Um, that but you means, can't structure it in a way. Uh, that's called structuring. And that's yeah. crime. I mean, it's like I can. People say this all the time. I tell people, "You've paid me cash. I'm cool with that. 
or you've you've given me a certified check or a bank check. I'm totally cool with that. Here's what we got to do next. Here's a here's a uh, 8300 form. We got to fill that out. We got to get. I'm going to go file that with the IRS. Let's get a copy whatever, of your license. I need a copy of your driver's license. And they're like, "Well, I'll just pay you nine thousand. Yep. And then next time I'll pay you two. I'm like, "Listen, first of all, that's crime. It's called structuring. I can't do that. Secondly, as soon as it busts 10k, I got to file the same form anyway. Yep. Let's just get it over with. Yep. Um, and it. And it's uh, it's per transaction, and lawyers have gotten in trouble saying, "Well, I represented them on this, and we're just going to call this next one like something post indictment representation. And we're going to call this one right. trial representation. Well, it's really one transaction; it's one case. As soon as it busts ten, you got to file the form. Uh, otherwise, it's crime. And you know what? I and why do, even mess? With, I mean, why even screw why it? even put why your even license out there? It? Put your well. People think again. The cash is great. I mean. Uh, it's weird we're not king. going to much cash is disappearing as we know but um if you pay expenses in cash you do it it's just you got to get a receipt if you want to deduct it you're like yeah i spent five grand on this well where's the receipt no i, I spent five grand in cash well you need the receipt well if i use a credit card or a check i kind of got proof that i did it yeah. so in that situation those were the receipts really really matter but and i got clients, people don't get receipts i talked to i talked to a client recently uh runs a business got a big safe and says, you know what? Yeah, every time I I get paid in cash, uh, up at a certain amount, like a thousand above in cash, I I have this little logbook. I write it down, receive cash, date from whom he received it, and why. Uh, the cash goes in the safe, and then there's an entry if it ever comes out why it came out. And the client was sort of asking me, like looking at me, like, is that okay? I was like, yeah, it's perfect. That's legal tender, dude. Man, have at it. Um, you're drawing attention to yourself. But have at it. Uh, it. Look, if you're if you're, if you're on board, if you're willing to have the IRS come crawling around and look at all your records and documents, uh, then have at it, man. It, it's totally cool. You can do it. We, we still are allowed to use cash in this country, but there's not this, for long. But we still are. I heard they're going to stop making pennies. My son <laughs> told me that. Though. I can't imagine that's true. But uh, they, you can buy so much with a penny. I don't know circulation. All right. So we've talked about cash. We've talked about dope dealers. We've talked about criminals. That's sort of dope dealers. Uh, Rita, that crazy, and we've talked about everything else. You know, you still need those pennies for when you go with your kid to one of these uh, zoos or something, and you need to put the quarter in, and then you put the penny in, and they smash it with something. Correct. Uh, when it. I was a kid, you did that for free on the train tracks. Right. Well, I've done that, too. But I, I but it didn't have the cool stamp from the zoo. or wasn't, a quarter to get a wasn't, Isn't there a rule somewhere you're not supposed to deface the I U.S. Thought, currency? I mean, they had those machines everywhere. Right. Yeah. Apparently, they're not enforcing that one. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe it's your own. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's my penny. I don't know. Yeah. Um well, I guess, again, let's just sort of sum this up. We've got Harper Plus, which is really Glenn Harper and company. And My whole team, they're awesome. Your whole team of people that uh, you get to know your clients. I mean, I, I've had nothing but awesome experience over 20-some years. Hopefully, you got somebody following your foot. I mean, you're getting old, aren't you? No, I've, I've, been, uh, I've been going to the Robin Hoods or the uh, – uh, Chris, what's the – Maybe you are getting. You've been, uh, you've been P ninety P90X in it, right? Yes, I've been. You know, bringing it. Bring no, it. I'm just kidding. But yeah. look, you've you've been at this a long time. And you got the experience. You got people working with you and under you, and the yeah, generations we've got, coming up. We've got 13 people strong, and uh, we've got a great team. And we just try to, you know, we don't want to just do transactions. That is the end result. But the prior, the advice making the clients feel good, know that they're taken care of and giving them options and bringing value. That's what we try to do. Awesome. Uh, you guys have any more questions? I mean, we got the accountant sort of for free right now. Uh, I, my, my head's it, still it, swimming. It, am I going to get a bill for this podcast? Time? Because it's during tax season, it's, it's triple my normal rate just yeah. because. <laughs> I'll, I'll send you cash. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, this is lawyer talk off the record, uh, but on the air uh, until now.